mate. Sorry. How are you I, doing? Yeah, so cool that you set this one up and thanks for sending through some talk notes because that'll be useful. What's interesting about Russell is he's another commercial man who is on a mission. Yeah. Like he saw a thing that needed to be done and much like what Robin said, if you look around the room and you don't see anyone picking it up, it's your job. And he's just picked up the mantle. Yeah. Like props to him. He's a really good guy. So, I think he is. I think he is a good guy. It'd be good to hear a bit about who he is, where he's come from, because like he should be known to our listeners broadly, See, but yeah. not everyone will know him. Hi, uh, Russell, how are you doing? Yeah. How are you? Oh, How's good, your man? wife? Yeah, not too bad. Although I think I might be getting it now. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, I've, I've had a stonking migraine since uh, sort of about five o'clock last night. So we'll see what happens. Oh, is this COVID? Yeah, Russell was going to come to um, Retrofit Reimagined and then his wife got COVID, which meant he was <laughs> locked down. Oh, <laughs> sick, man. Um, Literally. Yeah. yeah, so, uh, yeah, what's going on with you? What are you up to? So we met up, I don't know, a few months ago now. Well, am I not getting... I mean, it's just... It's, it's the busiest I've ever been, if I'm honest, uh, which is a good thing. So today it's uh, just me and Sarah... Uh, Duncan's on holiday. Alex is in the south of France, and Jeff's in Kerry. And we're here with uh, Russell Smith from Parity Projects and all the other brands that you've got knocking about. That. <laughs> yeah, do you want to just uh, introduce yourself? Just give us the top line. I mean, plenty of people. I think probably third, everybody yeah. who listens to this podcast yeah. knows who you are. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I mean, um, started Parity. Whew, the activity started twenty years ago now, when I renovated my own home and uh, three bed semi in South London. I'm a civil engineer, really. Uh, I got into understanding about carbon through a placement with Forum for Future and their engineers for the 21st century programme. Realised that housing was, at that time, it was the biggest uh, contributor to uh, carbon emissions and clearly the toughest nut to crack because nobody was doing anything about it. And lo and behold, you've got about 20 million clients to influence. Um, So I just thought I'd have a go. How hard is it? And yeah, it's pretty hard. Oh. When, you <laughs> when you don't have an industry around you that knows anything at all, uh, and you've got to work it all out for yourself, you've uh, you're in a pretty sticky wicket. So, and, and it was all there was a, quite a bit of innovation happening in the new build sector, but nothing really meaningful could be transferred into retrofit. So, I started to understand a bit more about it myself. Developed a massive spreadsheet to help me work out where my best bang for buck would be on the retrofit in the house. I had three thousand people come and look at the house over the course of um, three years whilst I was doing it. I did the usual, just sort of throw a few leaflets out at the local railway station to see if anybody gave a gave a monkeys. Um, yeah. And um, they did. We had people come from various council planning departments and building control officers coming from the local council, that kind of stuff. So that was quite fun. Um, and I realised that this is what I wanted to do. And quite a few people on that list that came to the house might want to be clients. So I worked out what they wanted to buy. I offered it and I went away from there, really. So the, the emphasis for Parity has always been to try and solve the mass retrofit problem, no, irrespective of what that means. So we've not necessarily set out to be an engineer or a project manager or a software developer or whatever. It's been what's needed. Um, what What's needed? What's the gap? What, what can we plug and get on with it? Which, if you read any books on how to start a business, is the last thing you should do because you need to have a very defined product and you need to narrow focus on that thing and do it really well. Yep. But we kind of did everything because it all needed doing. <laughs> um, so over the years, we've had bits of, uh, well, it started off with that, we called our home energy master plan, which is the big ugly spreadsheet 
dumping bits into a Word document and, and giving people a whole house plan, basically. Um, but that's evolved into software now, a licensable product that people, uh, particularly landlords and local authorities, can have a, an annual license to. And training for a period was our biggest income. Um, we were the first people in the UK to have a retrofit, uh, uh, accredited retrofit training course on the Ofqual register. Um, I don't know that. When yeah, you say cool. training, a retrofit training course for, you know, when we know now that there's like, become a retrofit assessor, become a retrofit coordinator, become a, mm. or is it like a grounding in retrofit? Or it, was it yeah, it was a grounding. So it, was like yeah. a five, it started off as a five-day course and I used to stand up and teach that for five days nonstop and it was exhausting. But um, then it, it, it moved down to three days, which was much more sensible. And I think these things, when you're doing that kind of introductory course, you have to do it in person. I don't think online is, is an answer uh, because actually people got a lot from being there with each other and sharing stories. So we would it would be for architects, builders. Uh, we had quite a few building control type people, planners, council officers that worked in private housing. And actually, a lot of it is an understanding that they don't know each other and each other's jobs weren't enough. And then one of the reasons we don't have enough progress in retrofit is just that nobody bloody talks to each other in a meaningful way about how their job works and what they need. Everyone seems to ask the question that they've got a problem with right now. Yep. But that doesn't solve all the problems at once. And I think that's one of our big issues uh, in solving the retrofit conundrum. Yeah. I think that's a, it's, it's a, this total lack of coherence is such a debilitating way of going about one's business. Yeah. I mean, you know, it manifests in competition and lots of people trying to replicate the same thing. Like, how many people are trying to develop a retrofit standard Yeah. rather than just working together? This has been one of Sarah's bugbears for ages. Yeah. Well, actually, I think what I've been smiling away as you've been talking about that, because I really agree with what you're talking about, the need to build relationships, properly um, share knowledge and not just like when, oh, the bit that I'm doing is not working out, like throw out a question, give me some yeah. help here and back mm-hmm. I go to doing the bit that I'm trying to work out on my own. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think what we've realised in more recent years, so you obviously realised that early doors, um, but what we've realised in more recent years is that even talking amongst the existing roles and, and people in the game, we need to talk to even more people and we need to bring in even more people. And not just in the numbers to deliver retrofit, but given mm-hmm. that retrofit isn't just a technocratic solution for external insulation on the house, but actually we've got yeah. huge problems. As the re- recent IPCC report says, there's a oh, role yeah. for everyone. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, we have to get really, really good at talking to everybody. And also identifying that there is like those broader issues that we can align our values with as people involved in mm. retrofit to help accelerate it so these are all themes that we're like starting to like uncover which can feel frustrating because if we haven't fixed the first bit that we thought was the problem (laughs) then we're like oh no look it's a much bigger problem (laughs) agreed i mean it's in many ways i mean we probably want to talk about culture and education at some point but the, the, the culture of our industry right is very adversarial uh, as soon as you admit that you don't know something, or that maybe that that's a breach of contract, uh, or maybe you shouldn't have gone through that procurement process in the first place, or something. Yeah, yeah. The other side of it as well is, in in a way, the the eco guru gurus are disagreeing with each other on things. Well, that's the death knell for any progress, isn't it? Yeah, because we're we're all stuffed. If if the experts don't know which which way to go, it's never going to filter through to the ninety nine percent of the people that don't even know what any of this means. So. That's the point. You mentioned, of course, and, and again, Dan has identified it would be great if we can talk about culture and education. And you're mentioning let's talk about culture and education. And um, the bit about eco gurus, as you mentioned, like 
not agreeing with each other. Mm. It's almost like it doesn't, it, it's not yours or the other. It's probably both and more. And yeah, like, don't argue with each other, but actually like, even yeah. in that space, it's like making space for others. Agreed. And this comes back to the competition bit. It's like mm. people protecting their corner of the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they think, oh, well, if yours succeeds, then mine won't. And then I'm out of a job. So I mm. need mine to succeed at the, at the detriment yeah. of yours. And that's just not true. Agreed. And, and, and one of the things moving on from, if you like, the discussion about where parity got to back in the day was trying to do individual houses. They're clearly not going to solve our retrofit problem. So that's where I ended up getting into retrofit works, which is definitely about trying to solve some of the cultural things that we've spoken about, which is creating a safe space for everyone to operate. Yeah. And it's a co-op that's owned by practitioners that want to you know, work in this space and earn money in it and advocates, organisations that are, that are representing a bunch of householders that might have a particular theme, uh, whether it's uh, fuel poor householders, uh, charities representing them, or architects that represent a whole bunch of people that really want to go do a deep dive into a passive house retrofit or whatever. It's so if you create that safe space, which is neutral to the to the solution, neutral to the standard you're aiming for, neutral um, to the money you're spending, neutral to where the money might come from, might be a grant, might be eco, whatever it might be. Yeah. Then you are genuinely, if that organisation is owned by everybody, you've got a stake in it and you're willing to share. And we're finding that in, in where we're active in different parts of the country, that's definitely the case. Uh, we have contractors that are very willing uh, in a non-cartel way um, to share uh, knowledge, uh, labour even. We've had you know people sharing resources with each other. In, in the leaner times at the moment, everyone's desperate for more labour. Um, yeah. yeah. You were talking about community there, like, mm-hmm. you know, and I think this is why, it's important to name that because in times gone past certainly in the construction industry when you mention community everybody thinks oh that's the community hold down the way there where you know the 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 grannies have their tea and and the the kids have you know morning care that's not actually what community means in this instance it's about like pooling resources and talking to people and it's like an active verb like to be Mm. in the community and it's great to hear that not only is it um, a place where people are willing to share knowledge but to share resource as well I yeah. mean that's yeah, pretty yeah. radical yeah yeah completely and everyone's always talked about um you, you could I'm sure Sarah Dan you've been in loads of these workshops where we want to talk about the barriers to retrofit now what, ah. let's write them all down and see what we can do about them right <laughs> right okay been in those sessions for sort of 20 years now but I think the conclusion that you tend to have at any of those sessions is do you know what guys what we need to do is come together and everyone's wiped that down. Yeah, we need to come together. And nobody knows what that is. Yeah. So well, I really wish you'd been at Retrofit Reimagined last, last week. Everybody who was there had already been frustrated exactly as you've identified. Let's explain. Let's identify the barriers to retrofit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what? Well, you know, that's basically a session that's been put together by a consultant that doesn't know anything about retrofit at all, but <laughs> you've been paid a hefty whack to run facilitate a session, right? So, yeah, so... The, the answer for me is that we need to localise. Um, we need to think very carefully about what a local area needs. You know, um, you probably, you both know that I've been doing some work on a national retrofit strategy uh, for the Construction Leadership Council. And at the heart of that is regional retrofit. I, I hate the word hub, but it's kind of thinking it from that. From People that understand it. it. Yeah, it'll do. It's fine. Yeah. We um, won't judge you. For <laughs> <laughs> but the idea that, 
a, a big edifice of uh, a government will ever understand the retrofit market properly in, in its nuanced ways, commercially, design-wise, risks, all that kind of stuff, in order to set up a, a national model, it's never going to happen. But the idea that Leeds or Manchester or Hampshire or London could come up with its own market is the right answer because there are particular types of buildings there. There are types of contractors that are a particular flavour in those areas as well. You need to understand the market for designers that can support that process. Mm. And you can't do that at a grand scale, but you can set up a scheme that suits householders. It's all about how householders will buy an area. So householders buying in Oxfordshire right now, and I'm sure I'll come back to this in, in a bit of detail, I suppose, the, the Cozy Homes Oxfordshire programme that Parity uh, Retrofit Works and Low Carbon Hub in, in, uh, in Oxford have come together to create is the first time uh, there's ever been a self-sustained retrofit uh, scheme. In other words, it doesn't need external funding uh, for the able to pay customers. It's, ever, it's the first time it's ever happened in the UK. And, and the reason we've done that, it's got there, is because we were patient uh, and we, we we understood what everybody wanted out of a scheme. Um, contractors, architects, um, everybody that's involved in delivery, retrofit coordinators, of course, still hard to get hold of, but householders... They just want the right answer and they were willing to wait for us to be ready to deliver. So let's let's go into it now a little bit mm. in detail. So you said we knew what everybody needed and what everybody wanted. How did you find that out? Talk it's very, that. very specifically, you've got to spend a lot of time with a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You yeah. can't avoid it. You can start off with quite big workshops. And we're doing this in Hampshire right now for Hampshire County Council. They're providing a huge amount of leadership down there to say, we know we need to create this market. We've got fuel poor customers very much in our sites because of the energy crisis right now and the cost of living crisis. But if we want a holistic market, we've got to serve everybody. 80% of the market in Hampshire are able to pay and they need to be mobilized. So um, there's a recognition there that <clears throat> everyone needs to be part of the gang. We need to know what everybody wants to be part of it. Because at the moment, everyone's staring at each other across these great big valleys uh, of, of inactivity, waiting for everybody else to make the first move. And yep. nobody's going to, right? Um, so we need to get them all in a room. Um, we've been doing that actively over the last couple of months in, in, in Hampshire. We did it in Oxfordshire. Um, and the idea being that you can get all the con contractors, architects, designers, retrofit coordinators, DEAs in a room and say, right, we want to create this market. Do you want to be part of it? Now, question number one, do you believe us that we can do this? Yes. Okay, fine. Then here's some examples of how we've done it in the past. Which ones do you like the look of? Right, that one there. Brilliant. Or more importantly, because we need to iterate between different sets of people in these areas about what's the right answer, which ones do you definitely not want? That's, mm. that's the better question. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so you need to come up with some answers because people will not conjure this out of thin air because they'll come up, they'll do another bloody list of barriers. They won't, they won't come up with things that are practical answers to these solutions. Um, so you do the practitioners, first of all. Then you get all what with the, the groups we call advocates together. So these are charities, uh, energy co-ops, um, trade associations, um, councils, you know, district yeah, councils, yeah. They, they, they have a role in this. You know, building control officers could be part of this customer journey. And they're not at the moment. They're just there to tell people off if they don't do it right. Yeah. They, they're there at a perfect opportunity to give people the right advice. And bless them, um, a little while ago, Wilden District Council sent two building control officers on retrofit coordinator training. Yeah. Um, and you do you know, see it happening. You do see like people yeah. saying, Well, I think I'm, I'm going to do this recording. Like, there's a sense, there's a like, there's a, a sense across other um, industries 
well, not so much industries, but maybe other players within the sector that they're like, yeah, I need to get schooled up on this. And there's definitely that suspicion growing. But what you're talking about is the slow work of organising because there isn't a fast way to do it. And that is another reason why it has to be yeah. on the hyper. And that's why it has to be on the hyper-local scale as well, because if you do think you can do it centrally and it is this slow work, <laughs> a yeah. nation's worth of people, you know, you're not. They're doing it on that hyperlocal scale. And I'll go one further to say, you know, you mentioned like Manchester and Leeds and I'm sure and it's actually probably, you know, 12 zones within Manchester, actually. Okay. And London probably on a on a another sort of reduced scale within mm-hmm. London, but like maybe gathered together centrally, like say community energy energy London, the way that they kind of convene the mm-hmm. local community energy group. So a little bit in that sort of structure. It's just really heartening to hear you say that from somebody who's been involved in it for so long and who has delivered numerous different schemes at different scales that actually the things that you've been referring to over and again are trust community and the yeah. slow work of organizing yeah and you, you just got to start if everyone just sits around tables in very isolated groups of the so-called experts in local areas think about how they could do it they're not going to make any progress at all you, you've just got to start having conversations to get people involved and it will it will evolve into the right answer for them so I think this is another interesting point and somewhere else that I think more more, more focus and more support needs to be um, delivered where it can be and from people who can be. It's the funding part. Yeah. For, and I'm, I, I've got a particular kind of community organisation hat on in mm. this space because we've been doing loads of, of research. We've established a cooperative. This is with mm. Keel Home Energy Action Lab. But we're trying to be um, a facilitator rather than a delivery model of, mm. of, of this to sort of help with the acceleration to work out what are the in-between bits between getting mm. people actually moving mm. on that hyper-local scale. But the bit about, um, it's about, you know, we that we would love to do so many other things, but we still have bills to pay. And it's yeah. quite difficult to do all the different jobs to find the time to organise and to do those things. So it's, I think, another really important part of the slow work of organising is synergies and relationships where there is resource that you can align yourself with that so if that's your local council who have things they have to deliver then make yourself known to them work together with them we're finding that that's starting to expand you know Mm -hmm. when you when you reach out again we're talking about community it's like Mm -hmm. getting to know who else is interested in this in your Mm -hmm. area find out how your values align find out how you can pull your resources i mean these are all things that you've said but, but, the, the, but back to the cultural issue, our industry is not very good at that. There are very defined lines drawn between competences. The contract is written. Nobody likes changing the form of contract because there's risk in that. Um, you know, this is the team that we're used to um, and we move on that basis. And if there's procurement involved, you know, if you're a social landlord and you've got to go through your procurement team or local authority, um, they're going to change that. And it's yeah. all done at last minute because it's taken ages for the officers to get agreement to do it. And the procurement officers have got three weeks flat to run it. And then the contract starts. Um, so you never get a good price because nobody's actually sharpened their pencil enough because they don't have enough time. All this kind of stuff. There's the culture of rushing. Uh, there's, there's, there's the culture of everybody being in their box. Um, do you know the best retrofit I, I did? Uh, I, would, I would say process-wise and, if you like, mood-wise, it was just a great job to be on. Everyone did a great job. One contractor multi-skilled team all on site all the time mm. there's a gas safe uh, engineer electrician plumber plasterer um general laborer carpenter they were all on site for the whole time oh sounds all, lovely all directly employed by one one organization and it was a dream job yeah it sounds like it's probably a rarity though like uh, it's, it's completely very rare 
Yeah. We, I mean, the, the episode we recorded last week, we were talking about the contractor's right of reply or right to reply, because it's mm. there is no right of reply really in this. It was bollocking on on the internet. Um, mm. But the conclusion we came to, because we had some contractors who felt unfairly criticised when we spoke with Peter Rickaby, because, mm. you know, it's easy to mock contractors who don't know what they're doing because they don't know what they're doing. But there are lots out there who, who do know what they're doing. Yeah, I, I, can, I can come back on that. I mean, they, they, there were a lot of very good contractors that don't know they don't know. That's right? it. Yeah, yeah. And it's not that they're, they're bad. It's just that they don't know the, the very small amount of bit of information that they can have a look at. So this isn't a skills gap in some respects, right? Clearly, we need a huge amount of additional people. The calculation I've got is 450,000 extra trades to hit net zero, right? So that's a gap, right? But actually, the knowledge gap is is the problem for the existing workforce. I absolutely agree with this. I've got an example of this, which I've mentioned before in the podcast, which was I had a fairly straightforward, like before I stopped architecting, fairly straightforward um, extension and and, um, dormer roof extension as well on a project. Mm. And I just changed the specification of the products, changed the approach to material. So it was all using like wood fibre things. The the performance of all of the the detailing was better. It wasn't to a set retrofit standard because this was a couple of years ago when I was dipping my toe in the water with this and not Mm. really knowing what I was doing. And I just made sure I knew, I was like, well, there are some absolute non-negotiables here in this contract. So you hand over your all of your contractual material, contractor looks at it the way he looks at everything else and comes back with a feeling on a price. And then I said, before you give us that feeling on a price, just note that this bit on the covering email, I'm pulling out these extra bits, just pay a little bit more attention to these ones because these are not PIR insulation materials and these are not yep. these bits. And did you notice that we're doing this detail here and a little bit yep. around these bits, just pulled out some extra bits, which yeah, yeah. you could do anyway if you had yeah. a, spe- a specialized product in any oh, project. By doing that, I also did the same with the client and said to the client, look, you really, really do not want the contractor to say, I'm going to swap this material out for something else. Yeah. And then proved with a couple of other little bits of information, had some conversations with the contractors on site. And then they did it because the client had bought into it. They knew they had to. I gave them a heads up on the lead time that the material might be slightly less available, but that was fine. They managed it. They put it in. When they put it in, they talked back about how much nicer it had been to handle that material. Yeah that how much nicer it was for them to be working in it in midsummer because there was no heat gain. Exactly. And then the clients were absolutely thrilled because it gave them this different, this different, better performing, more yeah. secure, the whole kit and caboodle bit. And that was about a bit of comms with a bit of extra knowledge and and making sure that That's you kind of about. that in. And then now the contractors are all on board with it. Like yeah. that wasn't a skills gap. Well, you were a retrofit coordinator that, that in, in, in that. Yeah, I was, there. without being a retrofit coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> but what you're describing there is like a, a greater level of expertise involved in the procurement mm. and specification process. And but also what, making sure that you're managing it when yeah. it gets to site. Like Russell has said, that's coordination. That's sort of saying like, well, don't drop the ball here. That bit is a golden thread. Like the, it's got to be seen through. The procurement person, like if, if you're specking out a project, because it's the same with what Alex and I do for uh, the, the ordinary website stuff. If the person at the, who's asking for the work knows what they want, the job's easy. If they yeah. don't know what they want, the person next next level down the chain, usually us, has mm-hmm. to do all of the thinking for them on both sides and prepare yeah. them because the procurement person isn't able to find the right workers for them because they don't know the extent of the job they don't know how to make sure that they're getting all the right bits built for them 
because absolutely. they just don't have the and this is this is a massive gap in culture and education because well, that, that is a gap that exists all over the place dan so but in everything yeah a, a very high level the the, the national retrofit strategy idea um the key to that is that we're trying to push for a national retrofit task force that is jo- is a joint or not necessarily even organization just a format or forum of some kind that is jointly run privately and publicly because government cannot procure a national retrofit program yeah. because they don't know what that looks like they don't know about the standards yeah. they don't have the technical expertise in house to do it right they need to recognize that yeah um and you know there are people leaving from bays right now that are have been doing it for years. They're just fed up and they've gone. So it's even worse now. Okay, the vaccine task force was some of that. Okay, there were people on the vaccine task force. Now clearly, not necessarily a direct analogy because you, you we had a we had people dying uh, and they had nine hundred million pounds to spend. Um, yeah. So they, they had a particular focus and the prime minister wanted it to happen. Yeah, it, it achieved something un- pretty remarkable in a very short short space of time. Right. We need to do something at that pace and at that that, that magnitude. Um, and it's only going to happen when we get rid of some barriers and we get people willing to sit down and, and, and create that kind of mechanism that highlights exactly what you just said, Dan. People can't procure if they don't know what they're procuring. And they can do it, they can tick the boxes, but it'll be crap. So we've been... So Duncan, Alex, Jeff and I were setting up a consultancy like mm. off the back of the podcast to be able to advise people about... Mm all sorts of things to do with energy efficient building and carbon zero goals, like strategy level stuff. And we've just been filling in the documentation to get on a framework (laughs) and the long list of things with regard to net zero consultancy. It's really, it's really interesting because you, you look through it and like, yeah, we can do, we can do all of those things, but we're going to need to find a partner to deliver all of the other things. Or we're going to have to subcontract it. Yeah, and, but they won't want you on the team because they, they want to do that. And if they don't know how to do it, they'll pretend they do and learn as they go. Yeah, yeah. And so you, but it's like such a massive, broad range of things that's been requested. Know. Like maybe one person, one entity will have all the expertise in house, or yeah, like eighty percent of the expertise in house. But like that's going to be totally inadequate. The way those things are scored, like yeah. while it's not explicit that subcontracting is a negative. Well, yeah. you know it is because everyone wants their lives easy just to be easier because uh, that's the way life goes. Like it's that we'll be able to find a way to do it, but it just it feels like the wrong approach. It feels yeah. like a fundamental misunderstanding about what the challenge is. No, completely, and that, that's another reason for wanting to set up the Retrofit Works Co-op because actually, if you were a client organisation like a landlord or even a local authority, if you become an advocate member. Of of retrofit works, you own it. You've procured yeah. a supply chain. Yeah, you just set up your own mechanism that's owned by local organisations. We work out. Everyone becomes a member, so effectively that they're able to trade with each other. But you def- there's another document which defines the scheme, everyone's role, and the contractors, architects, advocates, uh, funders. They all sign one contract, so they all know what each other signed up to. Yeah, that's full transparency of, of not just the technical but the commercial as well. Oh man, that sounds so interesting. I mean, it sounds like the obvious solution, but that sort of uh, mm. communal action mm. rather than a, a single head sitting on top of everything and yeah. owning it all. And everyone's second guessing each other's job. Yeah. And being able to create a paradigm that you can transpose onto other places, like other mm. geographies or collections of typologies. Again, this is getting back to the the, the thing I'm always 
going on about where one begins to pride quality over profit. You can make the profit. You can do the job. But if you if you're focusing on the quality, like the way you approach it, I mean, this is this is reflected in how you've gone about what you do. You know, you build the right thing and you roll it out. Yeah. And the rest of it will follow. Agreed. All the world's gonna burn. (laughs) Yeah, but the, the, the tough thing though, Dan, has been back to Sarah's point earlier. You know, we weren't paid to do any of this, really. I mean, uh, effectively, Retrofit Works has, has got off the ground because I spent eight years virtually full-time doing it, you know, re- relying on my friends and colleagues at Parity to, to get on with running Parity. And, yeah. and Parity cash flow Retrofit Works for many years. A huge amount of money went into it. And now it's all come back. But uh, that's a big risk on us. Huge. And... Um, you know, I'm going back to parity now. I stepped down as, as MD last October. I've uh, got a great team in place now, recruiting virtually every week now to, as, as the work's come in. But I've kind of had to relearn my job at parity. <laughs> it doesn't help that we keep coming up with new cool bits of software that I, I, I have to learn as well, which is great. But, um, but you know, it's, it, you've got to make a big commitment. Even Cozy Homes Oxfordshire, right, at the heart of it is a bloke called Geordie Stewart who's been a superhero basically, and uh, he's a retrofit coordinator, he's been the scheme manager, and he's been everybody's mate, and he's a real expert, and he's had to work his, his nuts off to really make that happen, which shouldn't be shouldn't be the case. We shouldn't have to do that. But no, we, we really, and we really shouldn't, because I, I think we've said this a couple of times on the podcast before as well, like we can't continue to rely on this like heroic human energy no. of a few yeah. people, which is what's happening. And that's not... <laughs> That's not sustainable. I think this is why the talking across the spheres matters. Mm. It's like, you know, if you are coming at this from a community perspective, are the people that could be greasing the wheels on this aware of the need to grease the wheels on it? If not, how do they become aware of that? So it's that bit around the knowledge share and not so much the skills gap in that first instance. Yeah, we'll have a skills gap once everybody knows what they're doing. But even if exactly. people who are in the, in place that should be knowing what they're doing don't know what they're doing, then you're not going to get those ex- extra skills yeah. until you've... It's like a conversation last week um, and we were talking about the role of, of, of local authorities and whether or not they're fit for purpose. And the, the problem there is that they've been committed to deliver net zero goals, whether they've got the knowledge or skills or not and that's a real problem because yep. how are they going to deliver if they don't know and how are they going to know if they haven't been given access to their knowledge and yep. how are they going to care how are they going to care yep. if they can't see the context of the problem it just currently looks like oh here's a load of new work yep. <laughs> learn how to fix <laughs> that problem and, and that's not them, fair that's yeah, not fair you know nearly every council has declared a climate emergency now yeah. They don't have any officers in posts doing about no, it. No, and the ones that do, and there are some, there are some that are, have really like moved um, with mm-hmm. this because they've been fortunate enough to have people who were aware, who, di- who did care, who did realise the scale and the magnitude of the problem and who did know that they needed to siphon some of their funding into upskilling around that. And it's great to see that happening, but there are ones that are not as well resourced or just in a situation where management over years hasn't allowed them to be able to be in a position to move on this, but they're still like, okay, you got to declare a climate emergency and then you got to you got to deliver that. You've got to build that into your policy. You've got to you know resource it properly and you've got to let it run through all of the work that you do and that's that's a hard thing it's really hard really hard yeah i mean um 
talking about cross-cutting uh, and potential efficiencies and all this is, is the sort of thing that's going to get a local authority really excited. One example could be um, the, the Municipal Journal actually published yesterday uh, a, a new uh, outcome from the social care sector that they, they need uh, another 490,000 people in the sector to maintain their service over the next few years. Well, I've just told you that 450,000 people needed in the retrofit sector to be able to hit net zero. Yep. If you look at the definition of social care and the roles within it, there's a big overlap. There is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big there overlap is. between, you know, we're all going into houses. We're all yeah. trying to do the right thing. We're improving health by putting um, yeah. retrofit measures. You know, th- these these crossover things, we're going to have to start redefining uh, what, yeah. what we all do. When, uh, you know, when we go to a home, we want to have multiple impacts. Um, we want to be able to collect data in the first instance so we know what the hell we're doing, right? Could the social workers be collecting the data for us in the right way, provided GDPR is protected and privacy of the occupant, all that kind of thing is an area that we've not really gone to very well uh, and haven't opened our minds to, especially right now when we've got this cost of living crisis where potentially half the country come January will be in fuel poverty. Well, I think that's a really um, good point. Another thing that came out from um, the Retrofit Reimagined Festival, we had Salma Yacoub um, was there and she's... um, she's just this all-round incredible person but she exactly said that same thing she's like I'm coming at this from social care and and the health sector side of things and I'm telling you align your values find where there is a crossover and we will be able to make those efficiencies happen because we want to at the same time and if if people who are within this sector know that what we're delivering in retrofit is also a social care is also an improved health thing then People in other sectors who are as switched on with the, with the breadth and the reach of their problems will also be looking over here saying, I know that we have synergies. I know that we can cross over. So like we have to like reach beyond our silos and actually pick those up. I mean, she she outright offered us to come and speak to her and like have a conversation around it, which we are definitely going to do. Right. Um, and that it's those it's it's those like conversations and and then turning those into actions okay like how are we going to pool our resources or at least how are we going to focus our attention together on the same problem to see what the efficiencies are and what what the efficiencies aren't because there will be some that will be particular but there will be some that are absolutely overlapping and it's these all these new competencies that we haven't even identified yet that will come out completely yeah i mean the difficulty will be um sharing funding now, for instance, we've demonstrated many times over the years that there's big savings to NHS for having healthier homes that will because of retrofit. Um, but you're never going to get any money from the NHS to pay for the retrofit. They want to see the savings. And they, 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 not that they don't want to pay, it's just that they don't have enough money now. Yeah. So if what we can do is, is create savings for them, they can use the money more wisely and do the things that they were already meant to be doing. Um, so those are a bit difficult. And a lot of this stuff, of course, requires cash up front. And this is one of the difficulties in getting a, a new retrofit scheme like Cozy Homes Oxfordshire going or whatever we're going to end up doing in Hampshire is because you need to cash flow the brand development, all of these workshops, um, business case, the business plan uh, write up, consulting uh-huh. on that, then, then going out and, and, and asking what role everybody wants, discussing what they want to be paid, uh, launching it. Um, getting the website up, getting we we got a great thing we call called Plan Builder, where a householder could log onto their own house for free to look at you know what what you can put in and what the cost could be and what the benefit will be. Right, that's there and get, but that's a that's a massive cash flow problem. It is a massive cash flow problem, and I can speak to that experience directly. Mm-hmm. It is, and even when you 
try to access the funding from what appear to be funding packages that should be aligned with that, you get turned away from them because mm-hmm. it's not traditionally that. It's not, okay, they're like, well, yeah, I can see how it's kind of related, but it's not exactly this box here that I need to tick. So mm-hmm. no, you can't have that. And it's really frustrating when you sort of are like, but it, but it is. Well, <laughs> really I think the way, I'm, the way I put these business plans together, it, it, you obviously should, I need to show the multiple benefits uh, very clearly. So you can go to the economic development team at local authority and say, yeah, we're doing a retrofit thing over here, but I'm going to create 6,000 jobs. Are you yeah. interested in being part of this? And if you're not, I'll tell people you're not. Yeah. I know, but we're at that point of frustration, aren't we? Where it's like, well, <laughs> this is obvious. Come on. Yeah. But that's um, the synergies again. That's the synergies again. So like we've we've said that before as well. It's like when you get to the point of um identifying, well, these are the 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 multiple benefits and who benefits from those things. And if you're talking mm. about job creation, then you need to go to people who are interested in job creation. You know, as it's probably not. Nobody is interested in retrofit who holds the money. <laughs> so it's like that's not where you're going to go because there is no one to go to looking for that money. It's it's yeah. off the benefits, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But I think the one key thing about all of this, we would come back to whether it's one householder or a landlord of fifty thousand houses or a local authority that looks after hundred thousand houses. If they know what the end result needs to look like, they can work back to even if that's all they if that's all they ask us to help them with they can start to get an idea of the gravity of the situation. So if it's a householder that's just getting a grant for loft insulation through a LAD or a HUG scheme or whatever, we go, we at Retrofit Works give them a whole house plan as part of that. So they know exactly all the list of things that will get them to net zero, but the loft is at the top. So they know what's, okay, they can get their head around the fact that there are things coming and they've got to get it done. And if you're a local authority, um, so for instance, Hampshire, it's going to cost 29.6 billion billion to get all the houses in Hampshire to net zero yeah now that's that's an enormous number and it's they've only got 30 years to to, to make that happen but you know three percent of all homes in Hampshire every year are retrofitted or ex- heavily extended anyway it's just that we're not making sure the retrofit stuff happens at the same time so immediately you've got a reason to get building control involved and the plan is to be to raise awareness um you know if you know these numbers and you know that Hampshire needs 6,207 additional tradespeople in the sector to be able to hit that, that number. And if you don't get them now, if they, if you start your programme next year or year after, it's going to be more, maybe up to 7,000 because you haven't started. So, you know, the, the, this increases the urgency. It gets rid of all the waffle. It focuses the mind and it gets to the particular point where, where you can you can start to, to build things around it. It starts a discussion meaningfully. But otherwise, it's just, it's just you know, a list of barriers, like we said earlier on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it seems like oh, man, we say this all the time, and it like there needs to be a, a more concerted effort from the top down, or at least permission from the top down, just to get on with it. Some sort mm-hmm. of adequate directive, because you're building ground up stuff, ground up stuff that can accommodate the the regional mm-hmm. governance, yeah, like yeah. that that will welcome them <laughs> and show them what to do. Yeah, but I mean that's that's the problem that we've we always get frustrated about because. It seems like everybody's coming at it from the bottom up because when you do look at the top down, it's just 
it's very, very difficult. Like even you mentioned about Bayes, about people who have been the good ones in there who've been trying to do stuff, just like throwing their hands up and saying, ah, can't do it. It's like Kate Rayworth says, you know, when she was asked about the donut economics and they're like, well, this is like absolutely, this is brilliant if we just get this to happen everywhere. And then she was asked how she deals with Boris Johnson's and Donald Trump's of the world. And she just simply said, I don't. (laughs) And she doesn't because... She would spend half of her life's energy trying to push on a door that's slammed shut, locked yeah. shut. Instead, Politicians you are... make the culture change and then the government follow. They're not leaders, they are followers. Absolutely right. I was just about to say exactly that. They are followers. If we create the uh, all the components as an industry together with with, with those members of public uh, um, office that, that are, are willing to help, and actually below central government, they're all very willing. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah. And, and the devolved nations, devolved parts of, our, of, of even England, they have some budget and yeah. some power to do something about this. So <clears throat> if, we, if we set those structures up and just, just reading from a, one, one, a couple of areas of uh, one area of the National Rhetoric Strategy, for instance, I think the, the key areas are standards. And I know you guys have said earlier on there are a few people coming up with their own standards, which is kind of unhelpful, but you can see where they're coming from. Yeah. Um, finance and grants. There are uh, emerging green finance uh, mechanisms that can enable people to to, to to plug into this green mortgages for instance mm. uh, i think those providers of those mortgages are, are kind of nervous that there isn't a, mm. a structured mechanism for delivery for them to launch it into so yeah. there's another chicken and egg situation there um training and accreditation growing the, the army of professionals and trades that can make all this work uh, but one that uh, but, uh, an accreditation system that actually will will hammer people if they don't do things right and it doesn't right now by the way yeah. Um, suppliers, uh, distributors, manufacturers be part of this game, not telling us they haven't got any stuff for six months when it's yeah. when you go to buy it. You know, we're a proactive, you know, proper meaningful relationship between those sectors. Creating customer demand was one thing that we're, if, if you go to a council, particularly one that doesn't really want to do this, they say, but nobody wants to buy it. So we say, well, hang on. Where we've set it up, we've got too many customers. We're having to tell them they're going to have to wait. And they're waiting because there's nobody else that can offer it. So that isn't a problem anymore. And then you've got a compliance and quality regime, which makes sure that everyone does a good job. And it's not just the compliance of the designer and the installer, but it's compliance of the trainer, the training organisations. Are they training the right yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all the way through. That needs an overarching golden thread of knowledge, uh, which is from all the things that have gone wrong, as well as all the things that have gone right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So sharing the knowledge centrally, can be anonymized, but as long as, as long as it's held somewhere to filter through to all those bits is, is critical. And that's where the leadership is really, really important. But also not just the leadership. I mean, the, one of the key areas of, of building trust is rigor, technical rigor. So that's got to be yeah. the heart of it all. But if you can't communicate that rigor, so back to almost back to the, the, the example you gave, Sarah, of, of your loft extension, you could have done a really good drawing. But if you hadn't have communicated that well enough in the language that that contractor would have understood, it just wouldn't have happened. They wouldn't well, have trusted that- it right. That's right. That's right. That's so important. The bits that you send out into the world, like you can, you know, you can spend all this time creating this amazing thing and then just release it. And if people are like, I, I, I don't, I don't know what that is. So yeah, throw that away. You've got to be able to do that. And 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 I, this is where this is where like the multifaceted approach of like understanding where that information is useful. Like Chris Brookman at Back to Earth, 
Like mm. I have him to thank for a lot of it because <laughs> of the video content that he makes. Just being able to go here, have a look at that. And people go, all right, I, I totally get that then. And and in the, the wood fiber insulation course that he's done, and it's just like open source out there for all of the architects to like take on and understand. It's brilliant. And there are lots of people like that doing those things. So I think it's important to, to share the work of people who are doing things like that just because it helps you know just like forget market competition with people who have something similar but different to yours like just promote it because you know there's just no need for competition there needs to be built like a proper vernacular that everyone can understand and use like in in marketing terms it's you develop messaging you work out what the key messages are you work out how to articulate them you codify the language and you use it and you use it and you use it until it becomes the the thing that everyone knows. And so it becomes ultimately completely familiar and it can be passed down become, because it like we, encoded within the phrases it uses, a whole heap of tacit knowledge, to borrow Nathan Gamblin's phrase, uh, that yeah. it communicates so much more. Like at the moment, yeah. Alex and I are working with Best on developing uh, some messaging around the value of their retrofit training. So the people who go through the training okay. can explain why the training is valuable to the next person because effectively they're going to be training the trainers. Uh, and then exactly. they give them little parcels of information in easy-to-remember phrases, which can be passed down the chain all the way. So when the, the grandmother comes over and she wonders what the disruption is, they're able to explain why the retrofit's taking place yeah. in terms that even she will understand, like not that grandmothers are all daft. Some, no doubt, but um, it's funny. Uh, uh, let's just uh, let's just add grandfathers if we're going to get into this. And <laughs> well, I never had a grandfather. I'm only speaking from uh, experience here. <laughs> but it's they're not—they're the least dark people, actually. But anyway, let's move out of that space. I was I was at the railway station last night waiting to get a train up to London, um, and there were no trains. And luckily, I, I didn't try and force my way into London on a bus because there were no trains coming home either. But you had people walking into the station saying, oh, there's no trains. Why are there no trains? And the guy behind the ticket office was saying, oh, there's been a track circuit failure. And everyone's like, what the hell does that mean? You know, <laughs> it's just simple stuff, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's familiarity of phraseology. I think, Dan, you've absolutely hit the nail on it. You can get a common um, vernacular. Oh, that's not the right word either. No, no, but, you no. Know, no. Yeah, yeah. You know, a, a glossary that we all use repeatedly. Um, that will solve a whole heap of problems. Which is why the rigor is important as well people talk about the bare minimum where they talk about you know you know what does retrofit look like and we're like what, what literally what does it look like i mean are we saying the bare minimum is doing windows or are we saying the bare minimum is hitting a certain energy yeah. intensity that's like those things are really important as well because actually it's not about the actual bits that you put in it's like how Absolutely. does it and i think that the key for me is that we need to boil down our, our target into to, to one metric so yeah. everyone knows that they need to, I, my, my version of that is kilowatt hours per square meter per year for a house or or even heat, just heat demand for the house. Yeah. yeah. And then that translates so that you can have an argument with a heat pump engineer about the fact that the heat pump shouldn't be the first thing you do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, well, <clears throat> like to those points, like we're building some components of messaging as we go. So like demand reduction is the mm. ultimate goal. Whatever it is, whatever your demand is, you don't want, we want people like you out of business, Russell, because yeah. all the houses are fixed. Yeah. We want the energy companies much smaller because there's much less of a demand on them. We want people using far less energy and water in their homes because, yeah. you know, this is it's all resource intensive and resources are finite. Yeah. Uh, 
And similarly, I pulled out one from last week's chat about building standards should be seen as the bare legal minimum, not yes. the standard. Agreed, yeah. absolutely. And that's well, something they, I think we need to communicate more well, and more are, until that becomes lodged in the consciousness. Within the, the element in the industry that are active in addressing the climate challenge. So yeah, but preaching to the choir in, doesn't make any odds. No, no, it doesn't. No, no, but no. what's happening is that more and more, I'm in more and more situations where people are like, <laughs> well, building regs are kind of rubbish. Like, where else can you practice with the bare legal minimum? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and where else can you just do stuff that's, you know, quite damaging, but not as damaging as it could be? But it's worse you know? than that, Sarah. <laughs> if you look at part L, if you want to do internal wall insulation, it says, yeah, here's, here's the new values you should aim for in these situations, but... If it's a bit expensive, you don't have to bother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just shocking. Like it's absolutely it's oh, terrible. No. But I think we're drifting into all sorts of new territories yeah. now, which we should definitely do. <laughs> Right. Um, well, perhaps we'll do that on another time. I think we've, yeah. we've probably taken up enough time. So where can people find you, Russell? Ah, um, LinkedIn's a good place. www.retrofitworks.co.uk. Um, I'm less involved with RetrofitWorks now, but parityprojects.com. Uh, good place to, to find us there's quite a few cool things on there as well about how you can mobilize um retrofit for your area for your uh, portfolio of housing stock tools to enable that that's communication tools with householders uh, as well as analyzing the best cheapest route to net zero as well so all sorts of things are, are ways to do that there well, and if you want stuff. to hear and if you want to hear russell talking about different projects before you can also go to the acan youtube channel because russell has been generous with this time before on different panels discussions that we've had talking around this so if you want to know more about what we've already talked about then mm. go and have a look at the recordings there so it's replicating retrofit was one and there was a couple of yeah. other retrofit ones but and also oh. apparently on the 29th of july as well i'm going to be on the big green money show on radio five live talking with deborah maiden about this kind of stuff Oh, oh, excellent. I don't know how good or bad that's going to be, so don't listen in until you've heard it's all right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, best of luck with that then. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for your time, and we'll catch up another time. I want to hear about what it's like up north. There's yeah. a lot still to talk about. That's yeah, good. yeah. That, well, that's still that's still growing. I mean, it, it's very early days up there, but your home better is the, is the brand that everyone up there's uh, fixed on. Um, it's it's live. It's that free website I told you about where householders can log on and play around with their own home in Manchester. That's live. Um, and it's cool. We're, we're building up alliances with people in Manchester, trying to do things that other people aren't rather than stomping anybody else's territory. You know, so that's the key thing. There's so many different markets out there. Different people buy in different ways. We'll access different types of finance. We want different levels of handholding and we need to service all of them. So that's that's what that's about up there. That's how that's evolving. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thank Last you. things. Uh, join ACAN, check them out. <laughs> join the ACB, check them out. Read Passive House Plus magazine. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thanks. Cheers. Bye. 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 Bye.